Welcome to the Imperfect Life Weight Loss with Love podcast, where I coach real women whose belief in all or, all or nothing is keeping them stuck in the endless cycle of diet, fail, repeat. I am your host, Andrea Mathis, and I am on a mission to help women let go of perfection so that they can love themselves more, care for their bodies better, and create sustainable habits that support their ideal weight, and more importantly, improve their quality of life. From 328 pounds to triathlete to mom at 40, I know a thing or two about weight loss, body image, and what it takes to overcome challenges with food, fitness, and life. If you're ready to love yourself more, care for your body better, and create sustainable habits that support your ideal weight and ultimately improve your quality of life, then you've come to the right place. This episode is brought to you by Imperfect Life Evolved, a monthly membership for women who are serious about transforming themselves, their bodies, and their lifestyles from the inside out. Learn more at imperfectlife.com evolve. Bethany, thank you for being here today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm uh, excited to talk to you about what's going on and come up with some solutions for the challenges that you're working on. So um, can you tell me a little bit about like sort of where you're at now or yeah, tell me like where you've been, where you're at now and what are your goals? Okay. Well, I started off my fitness journey, which I mean, really has been my whole life. <laughs> I feel like I've been on a series of diets since I was 10 years old. So it's been a lifetime process, if you will. Um, but I would say in 2016 is really when I got very serious about changing my health. Um, I was at that time, somewhere in the 360 pound range, and I'm 5'2". So, you know, it's a substantial amount. Um, and I had tried a variety of, you know, working out, lifting weights, changing all the things I was eating, and I would always lose weight. Um, sometimes I would lose a substantial amount of weight, but typically what would happen is, uh, you know, a few months would go by and I would pack that right back on. And looking back, I know now that like a lot of the, um, choices that I was making were either like emotional eating choices at the time or even just like I wasn't losing weight necessarily for something that was important enough to me. Like it wasn't like I want to change my health and do this to be a better person. It was more of like I wanted to look good or fit into this dress or some like exterior situation. So uh, in 2016, I was 39 and I was tired, <laughs> didn't feel great, felt like I had like sort of sequestered myself off from like socially. Um, I would, you know, I would still be social, but it was more of a chore to be social because you had to think about like where you were going out to eat, if you were going to fit in a chair, like did you want to sit on one of the high stools at the bar? Like <laughs> all those kind of like, what are you wearing? <laughs> multitude of things. Um, so at that point, I decided to just make like a complete drastic change in what I was eating. Um, and I would not probably recommend what I did for 
anyone else because it's very extreme. Like I cut out all sugar, all caffeine, all alcohol, all meat, dairy, uh, pretty much like everything. <laughs> I was eating plant-based whole foods. Um, and I stuck with that for about nine months. During that process, um, I talked to my physician about looking into weight loss surgery because uh, I had been approached throughout my life about doing that. And I was like, oh no, I can do this myself. Well, time and time again showed that no, you, you are successful for a while, but long-term I struggled. So I'm like, maybe this is the thing that's going to, you know, help with that. So, uh, before my surgery, I think I lost like 85 pounds. I had gastric sleeve. Um, I lost, I think by the, by the end I had lost more, but like the ultimate like the weight that I kind of evened out at was about like 125 pounds that I had lost. Um, and I think like generally my nutrition has been pretty well. Um, my, my fitness has increased exponentially because I can do stuff now. <laughs> I couldn't do things before I started running probably, um, I don't know, like maybe like five months into when I had started my lifestyle changed. Um, and I was still pretty heavy at that point. I think I was probably around like 325 pounds. Um, and that was hard, <laughs> but, uh, that's, that kind of got me roll. And I, you know, basically was running three days a week, working out with weights three days a week. And I would do yoga or walk on the last day. Um, and I've pretty much stuck with that consistently throughout. Um, I would say the last year and a half, I'm nutritionally, I do very well, but when I am having an emotional moment, that is what will lead me to uh, make choices that I'm not really thinking through. And then once I make the choices, then I'm like, oh wow, this thing tastes really good. <laughs> I forgot about this. And then it starts to like become a more of a regular thing. And then you got to like, oh, no, we're going to do this again because that's what works for you and makes you feel better. Put the other stuff down, you know. I mean, you can have other stuff, but I don't want to go back to where I was relying on that type of food to fuel me because I don't, I can't perform any sort of athleticism with <laughs> fueling myself that way. So for me, I think where I'm at now is sort of starting to get my emotional eating under control so that I can continue doing the things that I do. Great. That's, um, that's quite the story. So you started at your highest weight was like 360 mm -hmm. and then you lost 85 just through plant-based eating yep that's incredible yeah and I really I really still like think that I felt the best I've ever felt at that time like yeah because I just didn't have any like chemicals yeah in me and I felt really good but that's how I feel like that's very hard to sustain long term yeah yeah I feel like those types of diets you have to have some other really strong convictions mm -hmm. like you know 
you don't want to kill animals and you don't like, you know, um, and then, so then you had the sleeve and you lost another 40. I, yeah, I would say around there. Yeah. Okay. When did you have Mm -hmm. the sleeve? I had it in September of 2016. So I'm coming up on my four year. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And so now you've maintained this weight for how long have you maintained? Have you, you've maintained the weight that you're at or has it taken I've, you this long? I've to lose gone up 40? a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How long did it take to, you to lose the 40 pounds with the sleeve? Oh, I want to say uh, probably maybe like six months. Six months? Yeah. I feel like I stalled out pretty quickly after my surgery. And then, you know, I was doing all the things and nothing, nothing happened for like almost a year. And I would go see the nutritionist and talk to my doctor, but you know, just keep doing the things you're doing. And, but. Huh. Yeah. Were you, were you tracking calories or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been a tracker. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, that, that's really that. I, mean, I, I gotta say like 40 pounds, 40 pounds in six months is great. But when you rearrange your guts, you expect. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I feel like a lot of people that had surgery, I had that like comparison syndrome because mm-hmm. a lot of people that had surgery around the same time as me, maybe didn't lose as much as I had altogether, but their results from their sleeve were a lot better. And I was like, oh, did I really like make a poor choice doing this or should I have just kept going, you know, like. Yeah, I can't imagine that it would have done damage, like it would no. have, but um, I am I am surprised that, um, especially because you had been doing so well prior to with your weight loss, you know, right. to lose 85 pounds. Um, one, I'm kind of surprised that the doctor was like, all right, let's do, let's, let's do surgery. Like if you're already being successful, cause typically surgery is like a last resort because mm-hmm. you're unable to lose. So, and this isn't, I'm not saying anything negative. I'm just, it's a different story than what I'm used to hearing for sure. Right. And, and if, I think at that time I, ha- I also had health issues. Like I was pre-diabetic. Okay. So, so you had some comorbidities like, that were Right. And like I had PCOS also. Yeah. So while that stuff was readily improving up into like, I think I had got my um, A1C almost to a normal, it was still a little high, but it was almost normal prior to surgery. So it had gone down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, But I think just because I had so much weight to lose and because of the comorbidities, they were like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and it was a good experience for you overall. It's been a good experience. Yeah. I think like the only, the only thing that I wonder about, if you will, is just like, if it was the right choice for me, cause I was, you know, I was successful technically and I lost some weight, but, um, I kind of wonder if I, if I had just kept going, what would have happened? Yeah. So your diet change? I'm just, and this isn't to fix. I'm just curious for like, if there's anyone out there listening who can relate to this, cause I had, you know, I had weight loss surgery right. and my experience was very different than most people's as well. Um, but the, 
it's it's also very different from yours. So I'm I'm genuinely curious about your your experience. So I think for me, what was tricky was uh, the pre-surgery diet, and they wanted me to go back on animal protein at that point because I was like some sort of bariatric unicorn. They're like, you're vegan and eating vegetables already. Right. <laughs> you're not going to McDonald's every day. What? Like they didn't know what to do with me. And right. I understand that. And you know, they were like, this is not going to be sustainable. I'm like, I get it. I get your concern. Yeah. <laughs> but so like, um, like the liquid diet going up to surgery was fine. But like afterwards they were, you know, suggest suggesting a lot of like tuna, um, chicken, things like that. And I'm like, well, I have to get used to eating that again. So I did. And then like cheese was back in my life because cheese is soft. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I eat that. Um, but also on like the suggested foods list, like as you start, um, you know, regaining your ability to eat as a normal person, a lot of um, healthy carb choices are on this list that were not healthy carbs, right? So briskets. Yeah. And I'm right. like, these are a snack food that I got out of my life before. Yeah. And now like it's something that I can eat and I can only eat a little bit of it. So it's okay. Right. But I think that literally opened the door for like the trigger foods, you know what I mean? To come back in. Yep. Yeah. I was actually, that's what I was, I was wondering, I was going to ask you that if, if you felt like maybe the sleeve offered a sort of uh, like security blanket, false security blanket, or um, I'm going to use the word excuse. And you know, I hate that word, but like excuse to eat these foods that and not, and not in a negative way, right? But like, right. if you're, if especially if your nutritionist is saying, oh, you, you can eat four Triscuits or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, a reason to eat all of those foods that are very highly palatable, right? that um, are very easy to overeat, especially once you've healed from your surgery and the swelling has mm -hmm. gone down and you really have very few restrictions, like even right. quantity wise, you know? Yeah. Um, because the thing is like with things like Triscuits or any food for that matter, whether your stomach is normal size or shrunk by surgery, you can still eat a whole box of Triscuits trisc during throughout a day. Yes. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you may not sit down and eat a whole box in one sitting, but you could still eat that whole box throughout the day. Yeah. And I mean, certainly like at the very beginning, like when I was able to eat regular food again, um, you know, my portions were super small. And yeah, I could have five Triscuits, but as time crept on and right. I, I moved to a new state, like maybe like three months after this happened, um, I was able to move into a house. So I moved to New York and met a new guy, started a new job that was extremely stressful. Um, and I think like just all of the changes and the high stress work environment, I would come home after work and be like, all right, I need to snack right now. And that wasn't something that ever was really an issue when I was working on myself so hard. And I think during that time I was like, oh, wheat thins. Um, yeah, I, I ate a lot more of those than I ate last week. Like what's going on here? Cause like 
as you build up your ability to eat the slider foods, they just yeah. go right down. Yeah. 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 So I do in some ways feel like that opened a door to, I mean, the choice is ultimately mine, right? Whether or not I was going to eat something that I previously knew maybe wasn't the best choice for me. Um, but yeah, I feel like that sort of opened the gateway. Yeah. Like Pandora's box. Right. Um, so a couple of things come to mind. So one, I definitely, and I, I feel like you just sort of said this, and, and I think we can kind of agree on this, is that um, the, the surgery definitely did its job in the beginning, but then those old habits have kind of crept right. back in. And so now we're dealing with some weight gain and now we're, and we're also fighting that those, those old habits again. Mm-hmm. And then my other thought is that if you had lost 85 pounds with the plant-based, you know, highly restrictive diet, which Listen, I am not a fan of highly restrictive diets for most right. people, for most people, because they're, they're not sustainable, but and there's a huge, but here, p- different people have different food intolerances. And so it's one thing to go on a highly restrictive diet to lose 20 or 50 or even a hundred pounds and then call and call it a diet in order to lose weight Mm -hmm. versus having a highly restrictive way of eating right that honors yourself your body and your goals because of the intolerances or sensitivities or whatever you want to call it that your body has to those foods Mm -hmm. and it sounds like that's kind of what's happening not kind like i would I, have you tried going back to that highly restricted? I have I know it's like a mental game. Like this, that's a lot of mental. Yeah. I have avoided it um, partially because my fiance and I eat very similarly now. And he is a big protein guy, like animal protein. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and as soon as I found cheese again, man, like getting yeah. that back out of my life, I'm like, uh cheese. <laughs> um, like, I don't know, like I've, I've asked him a couple of times, like, would you consider jump, you know, jumping on this bandwagon with me? He is not about it, <laughs> which is fine. And I, you know, I can obviously do it myself, but, um, I think when I was single in doing it, I had, you know, complete control over what came into the house, what was in the fridge, what I was putting in my mouth. Whereas now I have to consider both of us. Yeah. So um, I haven't like really considered it in depth. But I think for me, even more than like intolerances and things like that with the food, it's more of a mental Mm -hmm. um, thing because what I've done in the past week is I'm trying to think about my emotional eating as more of a habit that you know, I can choose to abstain from doing this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if like you fall off one day, whatever, it's like, that's okay. We're going to start again tomorrow. It's not like we've been 12 days without incident or something. 
like that. Um, but I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, approaching the emotional eating as like a habit versus, um, oh, sorry, versus like, um, versus we, a food issue. You think it's more of a just, any, like it doesn't matter what the food is, it's how you respond to your right. emotional triggers and, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, so it's making like, when I have um, an emotional issue that I'm not instantly going for food. Now, I think perhaps being on that plant-based diet that was so restrictive made that a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Because all those, all those options are not there, right? Did you have much stress back then? Less, a lot you had, less. You had yeah. a lot less stress. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so that I mean that's an important thing to identify yeah. because mm -hmm. you know if if uh, you had stress back then, how were you dealing with it if you weren't dealing with it with food? Right. Um. Okay, so I, I want I'm, I want to go like a diff, a few different. I want to go down a few different avenues with you okay. Um, so emotional eating, um, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm just making some notes here. So type of food. And how do you feel about talking about lipedema? We can talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for anyone who's listening to this episode, um, I have a fat disorder called lipedema also known as a painful fat disorder. It is, I truthfully do not know how to explain it to people. I have read about it. I don't fully understand it, which is not normal for me because I am like a, like I want to know how everything works. Um, but lipedema is such a, a complicated um, disorder or disease, whatever you want to call it, that it's, it, it's just really hard to explain. Basically it is genetic. Um, it is degenerative and, um, and, and what it is, is it's, it's fat cells in the body, typically in women, um, that don't respond to diet and exercise. And for most women, well, a huge um, part of it is that they, um, the disease worsens with hormonal changes. So it usually presents itself with the onset of puberty, um, can get worse. There's uh, talk about it maybe getting worse with like hormonal birth control. So I don't know if that's something that has changed for you in recently. Um, it can, uh, uh, pregnancy and, um, and menopause. And so for me personally, which Bethany, you're, you follow me on Facebook, so you're familiar with what's going on. But for anyone who's new and listening, um, this is something that uh, I discovered back in 2014, realized, oh, this is totally what I have after I read about it, um, because it's very, uh, you can look at someone's body and, 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 and sort of identify like, oh, the shape of their legs, the way that they carry. Typically, the person has a very um, small waist and large hips and thighs. Most people that you look at and think, oh, she's bottom heavy, that's oftentimes um, lipedema, but it can also present in the arms for some people. So it's typically like a small trunk and large extremities. 
Um, anyway, I don't want to get into my personal story, but um, in reading about nutrition for lipedema, um, the the actual like there's a whole book called the um, what is it nutrition for lipedema and lymphedema and yeah, something like that and it's very the diet is very similar to or I should say way of eating is very similar to what you described as your hmm. pre-surgery diet which is why I wanted to talk about it because it's it's plant-based gluten-free soy free dairy free um, sugar-free, <laughs> like all, yeah. you basically eat all broccoli the free. and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> broccoli, broccoli and beans, <laughs> brown rice, um, yeah. yeah, any vegetable, but yes. Right. It's basically a highly, highly anti-inflammatory diet. Mm-hmm. I did do soy though. I will say that. I okay. eat a lot of tofu. 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 <laughs> um, and, and the thing is with food is that different people have different intolerances. And so some foods for some people might wreak havoc on their inflammation and other people, it may not be an issue. Um, I follow a lot of women with lipedema who eat a, a, a full on keto diet, lots of dairy, lots of cheese, lots of meat and no carbs, um, and lose a ton of weight doing that. Um, but other women are like, if I eat any kind of dairy, I, I keep my, my, my weight won't budge. I'm inflamed, swollen, uncomfortable. Um, for others, it's, you know, just like wheat and sugar, which it, those are my two, mm-hmm. two intolerances. Um, and so it varies from person to person, but it just because with you telling me about what your diet was before and how your body responded to that, mm-hmm. I just wonder if there's something in your diet now, and it may be a couple of things, it doesn't necessarily have to be all right. of it, that your body is like, I, this, nope, not cool. I'm going to, I'm, I, this, I can't, you know, maybe it's dairy, maybe it's meat, maybe it's wheat, maybe it's sugar, like it could mm-hmm. be. It could be any of those types of foods. Um, and the only way to, to know is to do some kind of elimination, elimination. diet. Yeah. yeah. Is that something that you would consider doing? Yeah. I mean, I do feel like I know for sure triggers for me are wheat and sugar, yeah. which are probably my two favorite things. Of course. I never met a baked good that I didn't devour. <laughs> Neither. Like, not even that I didn't like it, that I didn't eat it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like those, yeah, that's like my sweet spot, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> for trouble food. Um, and I always feel like garbage, like definitely the next day, but sometimes like shortly right after and sugar and I just in general, we're not friends anymore. Um, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily stop it from happening. Right. Right. But, um, as far as like meat goes, like I, I don't feel that I've had any sort of, um, I have been doing like close to keto, like, like more of what you would call a performance keto, which is maybe not quite so low mm-hmm. on the carbs. Um, mm-hmm. just so I have a little juice to run and do stuff like that. But, um, I find that like on the long run, when I'm trying to fuel off of keto, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think like for me, um, doing whole grain carbs works okay. 
Mm -hmm. um, I haven't noticed anything weird from any of that, but I really have been off of whole grain carbs for a little while. So, um, but as far as like dairy is concerned, I, you know, once I reintroduced it, I didn't feel that I had any sort of like stomach issues from it or anything yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, I definitely know wheat and sugar though. Yeah. Yeah. Th those are my two big ones. Um, and I am actually sort of experimenting with dairy myself. And I don't know how long you've been following me, but like when I went through my whole weight loss, cheese was a staple. Like basically I lived <laughs> off of cheese. <laughs> I lived off of, like I would go to Costco and buy like 10 different types of cheeses. <laughs> that was what I ate <laughs> on my eggs with fruit yeah. for lunch, you know, on spaghetti squash, had Gouda squash. I had uh, Alfredo squash. I, like there was right. Yeah. Um, I lived on cheese and I have really cut back uh, on cheese. Um, partially in, in, in not even necessarily because um, of an intolerance, but because I can eat like a very normal person. And mm -hmm. if cheese is in my diet, I can eat a lot, a lot of, of cheese. cheese. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And cheese is highly caloric and mm -hmm. calories matter. So, yeah. all right. So, so I, I would encourage you to maybe do a little bit of elimination just to see if, mm -hmm if it makes the scale change at all, yeah. because if your body, um, is, and you and I have talked about lipedema being a possibility. I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose. Mm -hmm. I haven't even ever seen like, you know, a whole body picture of you to be able to say like, oh yeah, you're, you know, whatever. Um, I would talk to somebody, I don't, whatever. Like I, I, that's not my, not, yeah. not, not <laughs> out of my scope. Um, but I, again, I do know that many women find that they retain a lot of fluid if their body has an intolerance to oftentimes dairy, wheat, and sugar are the, mm. are the three yeah. most common. Um, you can also have like nightshades or soy or like right. cashews, like <laughs> random things, you know? And cashews I can eat. Yeah. But um, <laughs> like the, the thing that I do notice is like, when I eat like a processed meat, like prosciutto or something like that, because they have those like prosciutto mozzarella roll-ups, mm -hmm, yeah. which I will sometimes have for lunch or something. Uh, if I have something like that, I retain like the sodium. Yeah. I feel like I retain a lot more water. So when I get on the scale the next day, it's always like, oh, yep, you had salt yesterday. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. And that, and that's common for, for most people. Right. Um, but this is a different kind of inflammation because it's, mm -hmm. it's deep, you know, it's not yeah. just, uh, it's not, um, just pitting edema. It's like intertwined with the fat cells, which is why they don't in the lymphatic system, which is why they, they don't respond to diet and exercise. Yeah. So just something to consider. Um, but that's not, I mean, we've, we, we've, we've talked about this for a while. So it's part of, I guess what we're <laughs> going to talk about today. But I know that emotional eating is, is one of your biggest concerns. So I definitely want to make sure we touch on that. Um, one of the things to remember, and I'm sure, you, and I say remember because I know you know this and you've almost, you, you've kind of said it already, um, is that those types of foods with the, 
with the, the simple carbohydrates, high fat, simple carbohydrates, high, like the sugar, you know, processed um, grains, they, um, they, they uh, have that, I can never remember which neurotransmitter it is. I think it's dopamine response. Dopamine, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, when you're stressed and you reach for even the Triscuits, right? It doesn't have to be a donut, the Triscuits, your, your brain and your body get an instant reward. And so it makes sense that even if, even, or I should say, even though you weren't as stressed four years ago as mm -hmm. you are now, um, when you didn't have those foods in your diet, your body wasn't conditioned to think, I'm stressed, I need a donut. I'm stressed, I right. need Triscuits. But now that those foods have been introduced back into your diet, your, your brain knows, oh, those, mm -hmm. those foods make me feel good. Right. Those foods calm me down. Those, two, those foods reward me. So when I'm not feeling good, when I'm stressed, I'm going to tell her I need a cookie or yeah. 10 cookies or <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. right? Um, and that's why people who cut those types of foods out, two things happen. One, they stop craving them because right. the, the brain doesn't remember anymore like, oh, that's what I need in order to feel good. Um, but two, it's why it's so easy to regain because as soon as you reintroduce those foods, your brain is like, Everything is cured now. Yeah. I'm going to eat. I need all the processed grains and sugar. Yeah. yeah. So, so finding that balance is if you want to be able to maintain a, a well-rounded diet and an unrestricted or at least little restriction. Right. Um, uh, way of eating, which I am a huge fan of. We need to figure out ways to manage the stress. Right. Because the food isn't going to go away. And the stress isn't really going to go away. At least not all of it. Like hopefully right. we can eliminate some of it. Um, but creating those other coping mechanisms, new coping mechanisms is, is how you right. change from turning to food to turning to whatever it is that, that works. Um, what, um, what are, what are some examples of stress that like, what, if, when you find yourself eating, is there typically a, a, a situation that starts it that you can identify? Um, yeah, it's usually, um, I work with children. Well, I, I mean, I've worked in special education for a long time and, um, the job that I had previous to the one I do now was uh, kids with violent behaviors. And um, the classroom that I worked with were 12, 13, that age. Um, and some of those situations really like brought up a lot of my own past trauma that I had like dealt with counseling for a long time. Everything was neatly packaged and tied up <laughs> right I was good to go and then no no I was not um just because like you know certain circumstances happen throughout the course of a day that you are not expecting to happen and 
it just sort of like takes you to a place where if you use food as a coping mechanism, that is kind of what you would go back to. So you're programmed. Yeah. So I think for me, um, some of it is that, and I also know this about, I've been figuring this out about myself is it can be a stressful situation at work, but it could also be any sort of, uh, if I'm uncomfortable about something, like not in a way that's like, oh my God, I'm super stressed, but like, I, you know, I don't like this situation. It's making me feel a certain way and I don't want to deal with that. So what can you do about it? Well, you could deal with that (laughs) or you could eat something. So, so taking the time to like, okay, what's, what's happening, right? But I know for me, like the positive coping mechanisms that I've had and have worked for me are exercise, meditating, taking deep breaths, things like that typically work. Um, But I mean, I would like a bigger arsenal (laughs) because I've gone to a lot of therapists for this and I feel like, oh, you're doing the right things. Like, you understand how this all works. I'm like, but I'm doing the right things, but then I make poor choices. So I need help. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, I mean, those are all very common stress relievers. um, And I don't know that I'm going to have any magic uh, or new um, suggestions for what to do, but maybe how to do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, one thing that I'm hearing is that you're using food as a distraction, right? Yeah. Like, it's not just like, I'm stressed, I'm going to eat. It's, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm going to eat. Yeah. I don't, I don't, um, I, I, like you said, you feel, I feel uncomfortable, so I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in those types of situations, and, and the thing is, like, every situation is going to be different, but you have to look at it and say, what can I do? What's within my control? Right. What can I do? What am I willing to do? And, and then decide and then decide what to do is when you find yourself emotional eating, is it extremely mindless or do you stop and think I'm going to go get a snack? Or is it like, yeah, no, I think about it before I do it. Okay. And then I'll think about it again. While you're doing it or, okay. Yeah. Cause I don't, typically I don't have anything in the house. Mm -hmm. It requires me to procure it. (laughs) Okay. So I have to then, do you really want, you're doing this. Okay. Like, yeah. So I have to make that step to make it happen. And is what's pushing you forward? Is it that you don't want to feel uncomfortable? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you know that if you just go get the food, then like, is the, okay. Is the food the, um, the, the comfort. So, okay. I guess let me, me, are you, are you working towards the comfort with the food or avoiding the discomfort? It's honestly a combination Mm -hmm. depending on the situation, but I will say typically it's to feel okay in the moment and delay whatever it is that I'm 
avoid it, you know? Can you give me an example? I know that's sometimes hard to think of yeah, off the top of um, your head and, and I don't want you to talk about anything that isn't comfortable. No, I'm, so. I'm just thinking of like a, a generic one because I feel like this one happens a lot. Like I might have a day in particular that I have like a lot of demands placed on me for like a lot of different things all at once. And I'm a person that like, I like to have a list and go about it, but sometimes, sometimes like all that shit flies all at once. Yeah. So when that happens, I'm like, uh, I like overload and I need to like get out, you know, get out of my head. So that in that moment, I'll be like, oh, you can stop at Starbucks on your way home and get, you know, coffee or cake pop treat. Yeah. <laughs> Let's cake pop and here. I literally okay. in my head, I always call it a treat. It's not really serving as a treat. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So have you ever just not given in? Yeah. And how does that feel? It's uncomfortable usually, but it goes away. But it passes. And then like once you're past it, then it's like, okay, it's fine. Right. It's yeah. like the time during during when that's happening is uncomfortable, but if you can just kind of wait it out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a fan of deep breathing, which I, you've already mm -hmm. said, like, I know about deep breathing. So I, I feel like, I kind of feel like a jerk saying, you just need to take some deep breaths. Cause it's not just, it's not just taking some deep breaths. But for me, recognizing that um, the food is, one, a distraction. It's a time to slow down. It's, um, and it causes you, like I used to be a smoker. And what smoking did for me was all of those things. I would, it would remove me from the situation, from whatever was stressing me out, right? I got to go have a cigarette. I'd go outside, so I'm removed from the situation. I'd pull out the cigarette, light it up. Oh, I can still, like, I loved smoking. I loved it. <laughs> smoking wasn't bad for me and didn't smell horrible and ruin lives. Like, I would probably still be a smoker because I loved it. Um, um, but it was, you know, it, it, was, it was a distraction. It was, um, it removed me from the situation. And what, when, once I realized this, it's really powerful, that it was all about breathing. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was all about breathing. It was for me watching the smoke leave my mouth, that exhale was like watching all of my cares go away. Yeah. And that's kind of what food does too, is we, we eat it and it's like, it goes down and it feels good and it fills us up and it just feels like a hug from the inside mm -hmm. until it doesn't. Right. Until I mean, we, really, like, those effects are relatively short-lived. Because for me, honestly, I could be halfway in and be like, mm, girl, now you're feeling like garbage. And why, like, why did you do that? Like, why? Right. Right. Uh, but, like, for me, I know, like, the deep breathing does, it serves a couple purposes for me. Like, it does what you're talking about, but also I have, um, I tend to have a lot of anxiety. So it does it helps 
when that starts to, when I start to spin in my head, I can be like, Ooh, let's take a moment here. Yeah. Get it together. Yeah. So do you, do you make yourself stop and do that? Or do you just think, Oh, I should do that. Do you, do you even think I should do it and then choose not to, or because I, I know it like can take over. It can like take, I know that yes. feeling. It like takes yeah. over and you're just in zombie mode. And like, you might be thinking, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But your, your brain and your body are on autopilot. And your mind mm-hmm. is like, stop, stop, stop. You don't want to do this. But like, I think that's typically what happens is I do get on zombie mode and I just roll, roll the car to Starbucks drive through. Yeah. But, um, this week I've been trying to like, as soon as I start to feel like a, you know, some sort of feeling, not even necessarily an urge for the food yet, but if I'm yes. feeling something, then I'm like, all right, time out. Yes. Breathe. And then, and then I'm okay. So That's like exactly what I was just going to say, when you yeah. feel that twinge, Mm-hmm. You can't, if you got to get it at the twinge because once it's snowballed and once that, it's blown up, you can't. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very hard to, yeah. Cause that momentum builds. Yeah. So that. for this week, I've really been trying to like feel it early, if you will, and like get ahead of, and that has worked, but I, I'm also on vacation this week. So, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> but it's a yeah. good time to practice. Right. It's a good time yeah. To practice. So I'm like, hopefully, like, once things are back in their regular groove, I can just, you know, do that and then not end up buying something inappropriate. I think um, the farther ahead you can get, the better it is. So mm-hmm. if you, what I, what I would recommend doing, and I, I think you mentioned journaling is like one of the things that you've been, you've yeah. done or whatever, right? But instead of like, instead of trying to stop yourself in that moment, or even when the twinge starts, sit down tonight or tomorrow or sometime this week and write down the things that typically trigger you, the stressors that, Mm -hmm. have you done that? I haven't. So preemptively identify the things that typically trigger the stress. Mm -hmm. Because the farther ahead you can you can get, yeah. the better you're going to be able to manage, right? Yeah. So so if you write down, I I feel stressed when I walk into my boss's office, or I feel stressed when um, my coworker says X Y Z. I feel stressed when someone cuts me off in traffic. Traffic. I feel stressed when I leave my lunch at home. I feel stressed. Whatever it is, I mm-hmm. can. I, don't know. I can literally, I have like a pile of them. Like yes. if I come, if I come into a room and it's not clean, I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like sometimes just like that environmental stuff will be like, oh God, why is there all, why are all those dishes in the kitchen? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. So write all of those things down and it might, you know, do it over the next few days. As soon as you notice something or remember something, hopefully you remember it before it actually mm-hmm. happens, right? You're like, oh yeah, I remember this. This happened last week. That stressed me out. That ha- Yeah, that stresses me out often. Um, identify those things that, that, that trigger the stress. Write them down. 
and identify like what can I control in these situations? How right. how can I manage these situations? Because ultimately, that's what you have right. to do is manage the stress. The food is always going to be there. Stress is always going to be there too, but stress does not have to control us. We can control the stress, but we yeah. have to get ahead of it because once it's built up that momentum, it's really hard to rein it back in. Mm -hmm. um, so, so identify again, the list of stressors, what isn't in your control and what isn't in your control. Um, and then come up with just a, just a, a one or two potential solutions that you can use to manage. So if it's, you walk into the kitchen and, the, and, the, and it's a mess and that stresses you out. Okay, is that within your control? Totally, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Who, what, what stresses you out about that though? Are you annoyed at your fiance because he didn't do his dishes? <laughs> like, and yeah, I, I don't wanna like, throw him under the bus here, but no. he's a- no, but like, honestly, like stuff like that, it's more of just like, I'm seeing a mess and oh, I don't want to deal with that right now. So I, it could be like, um, like, honestly, something like that is more of a response to previous stress, probably. Sure. It's already built up, right? You've yeah. already got I'm this anxiety. seeing that and then I'm like, mm, now it's on. Yeah. <laughs> F yeah. this. I'm going. Yeah. All out of the Fs. Yes. 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 <laughs> oh, I was out of so many Fs yesterday. Yeah. I was like in negative Fs yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so again, like making that list and then identifying a couple of ways that you can respond to those stressors and keep that in your arsenal because mm -hmm. ultimately that is having a plan, having a pre, a preemptive strike essentially, yeah. right. Is, is going to prevent the stress from building and consuming you yeah. to the point that you get to zombie mode. Um, journaling of course is great, but I mean, we can journal, like, like, again, everybody's different. Everybody is different and everybody is different. Mm -hmm. We all, everyone operates differently, different things motivate us and different things hinder us and, you know, whatever. Um, for some people, journaling is a very powerful tool to just let all of the thoughts out. Just let it go. Get it all out. Some people are listers. I'm a lister. I like, because I will let things mm -hmm. swarm around in my little brain and stress me out until I'm like, I can't even think and I'm irritable and I'm like, you know, yelling at my kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's not their fault because all of these to-do lists are in my head that no one's doing and yeah. not even me, right? Um, and so I, I'm a lister and, and for me, it's like bullet points. Like I, I don't want to write a whole big long paragraph about how I feel about how I'm raising my children, you know, like I just want, mm -hmm. I just want these bullet points. Um, so for you, that might be a better, more um, uh, direct sort of way to journal. Yeah. Um, that, that again, gives you that preemptive strike so that when, when you hit that moment, you're like, okay, I remember saying that I was going to do this instead. Mm-hmm. And it's before it builds to the point where you're, F it, I'm going to Starbucks. Yeah. 
And I think also like one of the things that I have built into my morning routine is that like, and I consider this part of my journaling is that I like will write a little daily plan. So that includes like why I'm trying to get healthy. Like what am I doing this for? And then like I'll write down my planned meals for the day. And then at the end of the day, it's just a little check-in like, how did you do? What what could you improve tomorrow type of situation? And what I've been trying to do for like the past week, um, I met with my um, nurse practitioner at my bariatric surgeon last week. And, you know, she's like, you are good at tracking and all that. So just like when you do find that you have an off moment, try to figure out what you were feeling during that time and write that down. So, you know, then at least you have like some data to go back to. And compare. I'm all about some data. Yeah. I'm all about some data. Knowledge is power. Mm. And that's why I'm a fan of tracking yeah. foods and, um, and yeah, that those emotions are, are great too. And, and what works and what doesn't, because you might find like you sit down and make this list, like I recommended, and you come up with two potential solutions that you might be able to use in the moment and then you try them out and you're like nope that didn't work yeah <laughs> and you can go back to the drawing board and come up with something else um so does how does that sound is that that seems totally doable and yeah i good. feel like it's helpful yeah good okay so we've got so far we've got um non-elimination diet but um, maybe are, are you, are you, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. Okay. So okay. we just, I just want to make some notes here. So I remember what we've talked about. Um, and then the journaling of, um, let's see, preemptive. Yeah. Stress triggers. Okay. Yes. All right. And then I think that if I remember correctly, you, like exercise consistency, was that? I mean, I feel like I'm generally pretty good. It's just making sure that I am consistent with my, always with my training plans. Cause I can talk myself out <laughs> of, you know, the midweek three mile run. Like you're gonna do that again on Thursday. Like, do you really have to do it twice this week? Yeah, you do. <laughs> and usually I'm able to like just, listen to it and then, okay, but you're going to go do this because this is what we do now. And then it's not a problem, but it's just kind of like getting to the point where it's like, I'm not having to think about it as much to be consistent. Um, and it's just something that we do. What, um, Running, running is, um, is a crazy sport. <laughs> uh, I mean, that in the nicest way possible. I hated um, it at first. I actually, I didn't start to enjoy it until probably a little over a year ago. Yeah. And then like, I figured out like you could run. I mean, at that point I was, I was training to like run, um, straight, run the race straight through. Yeah. But during that process, I found interval running and I'm like, oh yeah, this is yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then I could like run longer and run farther. And I'm like, why did I never do this before? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 
I was, I was telling a, one of my girlfriends today that, um, cause I, I struggle with running right now and I have for years because I believe because of the lipedema, cause I guess, like express, mm-hmm. especially sprints just kill my legs. It just, it just kills my legs like instant. I just feel like lead weights and they're, they burn like it's uncomfortable. Um, and, uh, I, but I was telling her like what the, one of the things that I really enjoy about running the few times that I like stuck with it for, you know, any length of time, um, was that it's, it's the measurable progress, which is mm-hmm. why I like CrossFit too, because I yeah. like that measurable progress, progress, which, you know, like, I guess like with something like Zumba, like you do get better at the dance, but then they just make a new dance and then you're like, crap, I have to learn all new choreography yeah. and, you know, <laughs> um, but when you're strength training um, or running or something like that, like that measurable progress, yeah. I find really motivating. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I guess my question to you is what, what is it about running um, that what, what motivates you to run and why? Well, answer that first. Okay. I think the thing that motivates me to run is that I couldn't do it before. And now I'm a a person that runs and I find it enjoy. It is like stress relieving to me. Um, and it also gives me time for myself where I can just, I can think about things or I don't have to think about things, but it's just, it's just me by myself and getting to use my body in a way that I couldn't use it before. So that's motivating to me. Yeah, I totally get that. And I love that because that's exactly how I feel about fitness in general. Um, so what is, what is happening then when, on the days when you feel like, oh, I don't really want to do this? Um, I really think it's just like the inner monologue being like, you know, like not wanting to participate, you know, or like, honestly, like it could be what I call like, I have many inner monologues, but one of them is old Bethany. (laughs) And I do feel like it could just be old Bethany who didn't run being like, "Mm, why we got to do that today? This isn't something that we do. Right. Yeah. But, and what I guess I'm, I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not, I don't know. Is this really a problem? Cause it I feels mean, like it honestly, doesn't really seem like a problem. It's, so. It is much better than it was. So okay. I would say it's really, it's much better than it was. Um, but I did, I experienced over the summertime, I got sick for like a month and then because of that, I lost fitness and I was like halfway through, and this is like the second time I've been halfway through my half marathon training. Like the first time I had a knee injury and I built myself back up to where I was and then I got sick. So now I'm like having to rebuild again. And it's like, just want to do this and get it done. Yeah. So um, that's been a little like, I think it's a little off-putting. Like I just didn't have the energy that I had before. So sure. right now I'm just like doing the, like I'm doing all the strength training and that's fine, but the actual running seems to be, 
at the moment harder than it was before. So are you bored with it? No, it's just, I feel like my, um, my capacity isn't where it was mile wise. So it, it's a mental thing. Like mm-hmm. it's getting over the back where I started kind of right. mentality. Yeah. Yep. Um, and ha- so when did you get back to training? Um, I would say I've been, see, it's the first week of September. So I've been feeling better for about two and a half to three weeks. Okay. And, um, I, the first week I started, I did like two, five K's out the gate. Cause it was like, Oh, I got to run these. And <laughs> then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Like that was terrible. But now I've just been like, okay, I'm going to do like my training runs and see how I do on the long run. But like the long run, I just like, and it's been hot here too. So like, Mm -hmm. that's also been playing part of it, but I'm just trying to build it back up at this point. So I wonder if you're just being too hard on yourself. More than likely, because I do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we all do, but, um, you know, here's the thing, like, I don't, I don't want to give you this idea that suddenly you're going to like wake up one day and all this stuff is going to be effortless because it, it probably isn't. No. Um, you know, you speaking from personal experience, fitness is absolutely a part of my life. It is. And and it, I'm shocked by it because it wasn't for my entire life. Mm -hmm. And now it's like a huge part of my life. And I actually, I was texting with my old coach the other day and I was telling him like how proud I am of myself that, you know, here I've been through two pregnancies, three pregnancies, two babies in the last four years and, you know, just, and and now COVID stuff and like all of these obstacles, lifestyle, life, literally life altering challenges and my fitness does not look anything like it did pre-kids when I was doing CrossFit five to six days a week because I had nothing better to do, but it's still a part of my life. I work out, you know, like I, Monday I worked out in my living room and, and what, what I was telling him is that I, I was like, I never thought that fitness would literally be a part of who I am. And I think when we've been heavy for so long and been trapped in our bodies for so long, I don't know about you, but I, I, I still have this sort of fear that this isn't who I am. Right. This is just like, like a persona or a costume or a, you know, like a temporary thing that I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, and it, so it doesn't feel real. So then when I don't on the, the, the times when I don't, I, I guess because like I haven't been doing the, you know, CrossFit five to six days a week, like I was before, I can get in my head and be like, well, I'm not as serious anymore. I'm not, you know, it's not as important to me as it was. No, it absolutely is. It just looks very different. different. Mm-hmm. And realizing that was so powerful for me because again, it's so easy to get caught up in the past, whether it's our past past when we were doing nothing or 
the past of when like everything was magical yeah. and easy, right? <laughs> and and neither of those things are true right now because we're evolving, you know, we're, mm-hmm. it's, right? Like that's why I call my program Evolve. Yeah. Evolve is because we have to learn how to adapt to what life throws at us. Um, but it's easy to get caught up in the past. So for you, what I'm hearing is that like, you have old Bethany fighting you, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have recent old Bethany fighting you of like, well, you know, six months ago you were doing this. You're not doing that anymore. So you're not as good as you were six months ago. And I don't know what the actual time frame was, but right. you know, you, you have these two past voices that are like making all this noise. But Bethany right now is still kicking ass. Even if Bethany right now isn't running half marathons, even if Bethany right now is running two days a week instead of three days a week, even if Bethany right right now, you know, you're still, you're doing it. Right. And it is a part of who you are. And I think that when you truly realize that and accept it and, and feel confident in it, you don't have to worry about those days when you don't feel like working out because Mm -hmm. they don't define you. Right. Yeah. You being who you are is what defines you. And you are someone who runs. You are a runner. You may not run every day. You may not run according to your training schedule. You may not do what you meet your running expectations all of the time, but that doesn't mean you're not a runner. You are absolutely a runner. So I would encourage you to give yourself some, just some grace there. Yeah. And I, and, and, and because I, I truly believe that when we, when we accept that it's a part of who we are, the consistency is much easier because we're not Mm -hmm. fighting those demons. We're not fighting those voices that are telling us not to, they don't exist anymore because they aren't who we are. They aren't even who we were in the past. Like, I mean, they they were, but you know, you're, you're, this is who you are now. This is what you do. This is how you operate. It's not a question of if, am I going to run this week? It's when am I going to run this week? Right. And be confident in that because you are doing it. Mm -hmm. And if it's two days this week and four days next week, so be it. And if it's one day the following week, okay. The next week, it might be three or four times again. Now, if you have, you know, a a goal to finish a marathon and and it's important to you, right? Like if you're, if this is a goal and it's very important to you to finish a half marathon, then yeah, obviously you have to stick to your training plan if you have a a set Mm -hmm. date that you want to do. Mm -hmm. But again, you are a runner no matter how often you do it. So just live in that. Yeah. Like that is part of your identity and that's awesome. And no one can take that away from you. Not old Bethany, not the, you know, person at the gym, not your mom, not whoever's, I don't know who, who your negative voices are, but (laughs) they can't take that away from you. It's part of who you are. Right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, takeaways here, I would encourage you again to just try to take a look at your diet, figure out if there's anything, you know, maybe just, just experiment with like a couple of weeks of no dairy and just see mm-hmm. what happens. If the yeah. scale budges, awesome. All right. My body doesn't like dairy. Um, 
if the dairy, if changing the, taking the dairy out doesn't do anything, try, I don't know, wheat or whatever, like yeah. whatever, right? So just don't feel like you have to do, we're not all or nothing, right? We're right. not like completely eliminating everything unless you feel like super compelled to do that. And you, you can did it, it once. There's, there's no reason to go to that extreme again. Yeah. Like while it was fun, I mean. <laughs> yeah, right. It was a lot all at once. Yeah, it, it was, it was. Um, and ultimately what we need to do is figure out what is sustainable for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is that like, just because you don't instantly get a bellyache or diarrhea or constipation from certain foods doesn't mean that they aren't negatively affecting your body. Right. Joint pain. Yes. Ear, like bowel issues are, are usually the number one indicator right. of like, I don't like this. Um, and that's where, you know, again, in your food journal, like if you're planning out all of your meals, maybe at the end of the day, since you're already doing that, that go back and just like, write like make a little plus or minus, you know, next mm -hmm. to the foods that you ate, or, um, maybe at the end of the day, you say, I felt really good today. Or I, you mm -hmm. know, I, I felt tired at the end of the day. Like maybe just, you said you're doing emotions, but like maybe if you're but like, not, yeah, just like a physical check-in too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the journaling, the preemptive problem solving, right. For the stressors and, um, and then just know you're a runner and no one can take that away yeah. from you. And you are going to be consistent because it's important to you and you love it. And that consistency does not have, does not, is not perfection, right? Consistency right. is not perfection. Yeah. yeah. All right. Do you have anything else? Any other questions? Or? No, I think think you nailed everything. So all right. Great. All right. You feel good? Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. You're very welcome. I'm looking forward to hearing how you implement all of these things yeah. and see, uh, see how it goes. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the imperfect life philosophy and methodology for letting go of perfection in order to live a truly happy, healthy lifestyle, check out my website at imperfectlife.com where you'll find access to my free on-demand workshop with my six-step approach to responsible weight loss, as well as links to come socialize with me on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Make it a great day.